Before we get started today, I just want to say thanks to Andrew Fitzgerald again for uh, covering for me last week. Uh, we're in our fourth week of a series called Incredible Women. I-, I was really hopeful today I could stand before you and tell you I had delivered my kidney stone, but I haven't, and so uh, I'm still holding on, and uh, I feel like this last week I've been having a baby because everyone's like, have you had him yet? Have you had him yet? I'm like, no, I wish I would. So I will post his size and everything else. So hopefully, hopefully the pictures, yes, uh, hopefully, hopefully this week. Uh, last Saturday is when it hit me. Uh, last Saturday is youth hunting season, and uh, I was with my daughter, and we were deer hunting, and we were in a little building about the size of this stage, uh, about 20 feet in the air, and we had got there at 6 in the morning, and it had been a great morning, and about noon, I had started feeling not great. If you've ever had a kidney stone, you, you, you know what I'm talking about. You, you kind of start feeling it, and then at 4 o'clock, it hit, it hit me at a point where I was like, I'm, I'm done. I'm ready to go, but I'm looking at my 13-year-old daughter who gets to hunt once a year, and I'm thinking, I got to tough this out. And she's like, you know, it's okay if we need to leave. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm fine. We won't, we won't leave. She finally at 5.50 shoots at a deer. And uh, at 6.10, I'm laying in the fetal position in this little, this little blind. And I, she was amazing. Like even at 13, just her poise and like, how she handled everything and really took care of me. We're an hour and 15 minutes from home. Uh, no one's around. Uh, we get back to the house where we, where we stay, and I basically crash. She was incredible. And uh, she overcame a lot in that four hours from the time it really hit until we were, were picked up. And really proud of her as her dad, just in her maturity. But, but it just hit me how... We, we've been talking the last couple of weeks about incredible women in the scriptures. And, and what, I, what I hope you have heard me say as we look at what's gone on in our, in our world really forever is that women have often had to overcome more than I have as a man. Listen, it doesn't mean that as men there aren't difficult times, but, but as a woman there, there has been more that you have had to overcome. And it's still happening now, and we saw it in the, the scriptures. There, there's things that come up that, that really we could have called this overcomers, because that's what, that's what happens. We, we spent a week looking at Rahab. Uh, Rahab carries the title of prostitute. Uh, she is in the family tree of Jesus. And, and she experiences the grace of, of God. She wasn't a person who really was supposed to. She had the wrong line of work, and we talked about this, that, that really I think it was the sins of the community and the sins of the society that caused her to do what she was doing, right? That, that, that wasn't, she didn't wake up one morning and dream of that. That was the situation and circumstances around her had put her in that place, and she is rescued. And, and we talked about Ruth the, for two weeks, and we looked at this young girl who's in this family of just loss and grief and She's from the wrong place, and she too finds herself in a place where she comes to experience the grace of God, and she too is in the lineage of Jesus. Often we see that 
women in the scriptures and women now have had to overcome. And so we're going to look at another incredible woman in the New Testament this time. Uh, Rahab and Ruth are Old Testament. That's before Jesus is born. Uh, Lydia is the, the woman we're going to look at today. She's uh, around after the birth, death, resurrection of Jesus. It's found in Acts 16. If you don't own a Bible, there's a, a red Bible around you. You can have that. That's our, our gift to you. Please, please take that. Uh, it's Acts 16. The page number on there is for that red Bible. We don't have a lot to this story, so I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to pull four or five things out. I'm going to explain some things about Lydia that we wouldn't know just maybe by reading this and going to kind of look at what she had overcome. Her story is really different from Rahab and Ruth, but it's also very similar. See, here, here's what I believe. The desire of Rahab and Ruth and the desire of Lydia is the same desire that you and I have. You may not know that today. You, you may have been wondering forever, but we have this desire and longing for meaning. We have this longing and desire to connect with the Creator. Many people don't know it. Many people don't understand it. We fill it with other things. But Rahab and Ruth both felt that, and so does Lydia. Acts 16, starting in verse 11. It says this, from Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace and the next day on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of the district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. The we that we see there at the beginning is a guy named Paul. Uh, I say this a lot. Paul's a guy in Acts that was persecuting Christians, asking for the permission to go into these homes where Christians lived, not Jewish people, but those who are beginning to follow Jesus. Paul is asking for permission. Can I go in and get them and pull them out? Can we persecute those who are a part of the way? This was Paul's life. Paul has an encounter with Jesus, and actually it's not that his life is completely changed, his life is really transformed in how he saw things. And so Paul's life begins to look different. He no longer is persecuting Christians. He's now helping people become Christians. He starts these churches. He writes letters back to churches. And so this is the beginning of all of that. So we, we look at these letters that Paul writes. Uh, those all come after these moments. And so Paul has set sail uh, with Timothy and, and Luke, who we think is writing Acts, they have set sail and they're spreading the message of Jesus. And they are, have been persuaded to go to Macedonia. And once they arrive in Macedonia, that is where they find Lydia. So what happens is they're looking for a synagogue. And in, during this time, you had to have 10 men gathered to have it be considered a synagogue. And so in this area, the message of Jesus hasn't really spread uh, religion is kind of loosely affiliated, but there's no men who are gathering to make a synagogue. And so Paul knows they're at the river. That would have been the custom and the culture. Those who would have been 
God worshipers, those who would have prayed, would have found themselves together on the Sabbath praying at the river. The Sabbath was just a day set aside to turn your attention and focus to God. And so Paul and Timothy make their way to the river. They're in Philippi, which is this gateway, what would have been known as a gateway between Europe and Asia. It is a prime city. It is an important city. It's the leading city. It had value because of its gold mines, because it was close to a port. Uh, It was meant to be a miniature version of Rome. And this is where Paul and Silas have found themselves. And so they find themselves at the river, a place of worship, uh, where those who believed in God would go and hang out. And so they find themselves there, and it's women. It's a group of women who have come together to worship God. Just let me hit pause for a moment. Uh, I've pastored in two churches. Uh, This one for 13 and a half years as youth pastor and pastor. I was in California for two years. I had an internship when I was in, in college, but didn't really grow up in church or know the behind the scenes. But this is what I have learned very quickly from my own experience and what I know from other people. And hopefully you hear me. Behind the scenes often is a group of women praying for the church. It's not that there's not men who care, but but men are often elevated and seen as the spiritual leaders of the church. But can can I just give you a secret? The behind the scenes is usually a a group of women who are praying for the church. And this is what Paul walks into. He walks into a group of women who say the the title of them is worshipers of God. There are people whose hearts are open to God. They're not Jewish, so they're not worshiping or serving the Jewish God because they're Jewish. There's something at some point that's happened and they're seeking, and, and so they're trying to figure out who this God is. And so they are gathered there, and this is what Paul walks into. And the story says that in this group is a woman by the name of Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira. So Philippi, the the scholars who would read this said that she actually would have had two homes. She has a home in Thyatira that would have been like Hong Kong, Paris, New York, like leading cultural city. This is where Lydia is from. But she also has a home in little Rome, Philippi. She has done very well for herself. But she has this title, a worshiper of God. This is what we know about Lydia. She has this openness to religion. She's there gathered because something has stirred in her heart. And because of that, because of the culture of the day, we would have known she would have been a moral woman. She would have cared about the decisions she made, and she would have tried to align those with what she believed God was saying to her. So she was religious, and she was moral. And as I said, she had done very well for herself in the world of fashion, in dealing purple cloth. See, purple cloth was high dollar, the most expensive of cloth. Uh, Here's a picture of this this little uh, mollusk. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, And the way you get purple cloth is you would crush it. 
uh, you, you, it's a little shell, a little uh, crustacean, and, and they would crush this, and they would have to crush uh, hundreds of these, if not thousands of these, to get a yard or two of purple cloth. And so this just wasn't something that anybody would do or anybody would sell, but this is what Lydia was doing. Lydia had been an overcomer of culture and of business. Uh, There probably weren't a lot of women who were doing this. Uh, Lydia broke through some some barriers to get to this point. Uh, She was selling a statement of worth and status. Today, uh, it would be Gucci or Prada or Louis Vuitton. You fill in the blank. What, what is it for you that you see and you assume something about power and wealth? Uh, I remember when I went to New York the first time and I was uh, just out of high school and I always wanted Oakley's because it said Oakley on it, uh, but I didn't have the money to buy Oakley's. And so in Chinatown in New York City, if you've never been, they spread out these blankets and then they put all these glasses and Rolex watches on these blankets. And then in a moment, if, you know, someone comes by, police, and uh, they don't want to get caught, they just grab the corners of these blankets, throw it over their shoulder, and, and run off. Well, they were selling Oakleys. And so I bought a pair of Jokeleys, as we called them then, uh, because it, of status, s- simply for a name. And so this is purple cloth in that day. Lydia who has done very, very well, is distributing an item that a lot of people bought to make themselves feel good about themselves, to to feel wealthy. And this is the the culture that she is in and where she finds herself. And again, she had to overcome. She broke through some barriers to get where she was. But I think that even money and two homes was not satisfying the deepest part of Lydia's heart. And I think that's why Lydia finds herself at the river that day, worshiping God and trying to figure out, okay, I have have everything I want. I have everything I need. But God, I, I think there is more. At some point, she rejected Roman paganism, which would have been what the the worship of that day would have been. Lots of gods, uh, worship yourself. That, w- that would have been the culture. And somehow she has pushed that aside. And she's longing for something more. And then Paul just happens to show up. And Paul shows up and preaches Jesus. Uh, Paul shows up and preaches a message of hope and grace and life, a message that was meant for all people. See, the message of Jesus is for all people at all times, right? The rich, Lydia, needed the message of hope, just like Rahab and Ruth who find themselves at the bottom. The gospel is for everyone on the spectrum, young, old, Jews, non-Jews. See, a lot of the stories that we read is an invitation to see that the gospel is not for a group of people. That the church is not simply what happens in the church in the United States. The church is global. The good news of Jesus is for every tribe 
and every tongue and every culture. So the three ladies we've looked at, they're not Jews. They're not those who would have seen, been seen as the insiders who God was saving or redeeming. Lydia, a non-Jew, is responding to the message of Jesus. The good news then is the good news now. It's the good news for you. That even with sin and brokenness and we've rebelled against God, there is this hope that we can still have. And the only reason we have that hope is not because we're religious or moral. It's not simply because we show up on Sunday mornings and gather with one another as worshipers of God. The hope is because we believe Jesus does that, that Jesus is enough, that Jesus' life and death and resurrection is what gives us hope. And so this is what Paul is speaking about. And the message, the, the scriptures say that Lydia's heart is opened to the message. And what happens in that moment is Lydia moves from one place to another. She moves from being a worshiper of God who comes and is trying to figure out who God is and gathers with a group of people to someone who is a believer in the Lord, someone whose heart is completely devoted. So a couple things I want to pull out for us this morning. This, number one, I think this is some of your stories that you have the story of Lydia. We've looked at Ruth and we've looked at Rahab and maybe there's been some difficult things in your life and your faith has come out of those things. But maybe you're on the other side. Maybe things for the most part, not that you haven't had difficult times, but but for the most part, your life has gone pretty well. Uh, You've grown up in church. You've seen yourself as a worshiper of God your whole life. You've morally pretty much done what you think you're supposed to do and you find yourself in the place of Lydia or you did and at some point you realized that there was more that the gospel and the good news of Jesus wasn't simply about something you knew about or you heard other people talk about or that you came in and you heard scripture read about but it was something that actually entered into every fiber of your life that it goes into your heart and your mind and your soul and that it begins to impact everything else This is the story of Lydia, and I think it's the story. Some of you would raise your hand and say, that was my story. I grew up in church. It was just church, and then at some point, my heart was open, and God began to speak to me. Or maybe that's where you find yourself now. Maybe church has been that thing that you come to. It's good. There's nothing wrong with that. Please hear me. But but maybe there is just this openness that, that God is wanting for you, for you to begin to say, all right, I think there is more. We can easily become bystanders in the church. Uh, last night, uh, we had some girls spend the night. My daughter, who's 13, uh, had a few friends in, in our house last night. I had seven teenage girls. And then my wife got invited to go to a concert. And I was like, yeah, that's great. Go to the concert. It'll be so good for you. And so I had seven teenage girls in my home last night, and they're sitting around eating pizza. And I just said, hey, you guys want to do something? Uh, I'm like, yeah, yeah, what? I said, let's go, let's go TP. You want to go TP? And uh, I, I, I said, look, I'm not pastor right now. I'm dad, all right? I'm functioning as, as this is dad speaking. And so uh, it was, I was surprised that most of the girls had never done this before. And so we go to Dollar General and we, we buy toilet paper. And what any good youth group girls do, they TP their youth pastor, right? 
And so we, uh, we find ourselves at Kristen and Wesley's house, and uh, they're, they're TPing them. And I, for the most part, was a bystander, okay? I may have thrown a roll uh, or two, but for the most part, I let them do it, right? It was fun. I just, I watched. It was fun being with them, but, but I didn't participate, right? And I think that's how we, honestly, I think that's how we can find ourselves in the church. We applaud when good things happen. We love being together. We like to hear the stories of other people. But can I just say, I think you might be missing out. Lydia had been a part of it for a while. But then she hears about Jesus and something changes for her. And then, this is what I love, it says, when she and the members of her household were baptized. So Lydia's response is right here, right now, I want to be baptized. I want, every, I want this public declaration that I am a follower of Jesus. But what's great is it doesn't even stop with her. So I'm, that's the second point, but let me just say this. We're going to be baptizing here uh, coming up in the next couple weeks. If you've not been baptized, if you have not taken a step to publicly say that you're a follower of Jesus, that's what baptism is. If church is new to you, we put up a little pool uh, full of water and we get in that and we will put people down into the water and bring them out. And it is a sign of being cleansed, of being washed, of the old life dying and something new. And we will celebrate with some people as they're baptized. I was 23 when I was finally baptized. I was already a youth pastor. I knew I wanted to be baptized, but I was afraid. I was like, I've been a Christian for a while and I've never been baptized. If you've not been baptized, will you think about that? Will you talk to me if you've not been baptized? Lydia doesn't wait and her household joins her. Point number two, her faith in that moment didn't just impact her life. It had an impact on her family as well. As a dad, I know I have a role to play in the life of my children and my wife. Like I love that they are beginning to like the things that I like. They love what I love, but most importantly, I want the faith that I have to also be the faith that they have. I want my faith to impact them. And some of you are here today and you're alone. And I know that. Family doesn't come. You are carrying the banner of faith for your family. And I pray for you often. I know it is difficult. I know it is hard. And can I just tell you that you are impacting them whether you know it or not. And so just, I want to encourage you, continue to pray for them, and I know you do. Whether it's a spouse or your children or siblings, continue to pray. Can I just tell you that as much as you love your family, God does even more. That God cares for them. Be Jesus to them. They don't maybe come here, they don't hear much about Jesus, but you just live out the life of Jesus before them? Would you love them well? I don't know how it works. I just know Lydia's faith. In that time, something happens, and her household says, I want that too. And my prayer for us is that that would happen. And you may not come alone, but you may feel like your faith is your own, that you are not with your your family in that. And, And can I just again tell you that God cares, I care, and keep living out your faith 
in front of them. We see Lydia open her heart. She responds to the message, and so does her family. Point number three, God was already at work in Lydia's life. God was already working before Paul showed up. Before her heart was open, God was speaking to Lydia. We, the big word for that is prevenient grace. That may be a new word for you, prevenient grace. It is this grace that goes before us. It is the grace that we don't even know is there. It is the grace that has drawn you here this morning. It is the grace before you go into a meeting with someone with conflict that, that is already there. It is the grace that is in your life before you open your heart to the message of Jesus. It is the drawing or the nudging or the urging of the goodness of God. We do not wake up one day and say, you know what, today I'm going to follow Jesus. We do not wake up one day and say, I'm going to give my life to him simply because it was our idea. It, it is the the nudging of the Holy Spirit. It is the goodness of God and his love for all of us that he is already speaking to us before we know it. And this is what is happening in Lydia's life. It is this prevenient of grace, the, the grace that goes before that Lydia finds herself at the river, that Lydia has done well in selling purple cloth. This is the grace that goes before. And then we have free will. We get to choose. As, as, the, nurge, as the, the nudging or the urging comes, we respond to it. God will not force you to do it. He, he will not make you respond. He wants you to. Out of love, he wants you to. He will continue to, to show and shower grace upon you. But it is our choice. And so Lydia, the grace is going before Lydia. God knew Lydia uh, before Lydia knew who God was completely. So she was a worshiper of God who was not a Jew but was intrigued by God because of the grace of God. And then four, Lydia is immediately open to being used by God. Immediately. Lydia's response in this moment is you guys, would you please come to my home? Again, Lydia has the resources to take care of, of Paul and his crew. L Lydia doesn't think only for herself in this moment. Her response is, how can I be generous? How can I be hospitable? God, how can you use me right now, right here? We see that she has the resources and she puts those to work. I think something happens to us when we commit to following Jesus. Something happens to how we view our stuff, how we view our gifts, how we use our talents and our time. I don't know a lot about Lydia, and I'm going to assume, and that can get you in trouble at times, but I'm going to assume that something clicked in her mind and her heart immediately. Something clicked. And literally, her first response is, how can I help the movement of God continue to take place. Something has happened in my heart. I want it to happen in other people's hearts. How can I help? How can I participate? I have a home. I may not have much. I have some money and I have a home. Can you use that? And she invites them in. And then Paul and Silas leave there 
Uh, They go on, they have encounters with other people, they get in some trouble, they find themselves imprisoned, and then they get out. There's miracles that happen. And then Acts 16.40, this is what we hear. After Paul and Silas came out of prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and encouraged them. Then they left. I don't know how much time has, has taken place in this. But what I know from this There is now a community of people who are meeting at Lydia's house. The church starts in Lydia's home. The church in Europe, right? Let's look bigger now. Not not just in her home or in Philippi, miniature Rome, but now in Europe starts in this woman's home. Because of the grace of God and the response of Lydia to say, I want to follow the ways of God. I want to open my heart to Jesus. And in opening my heart to Jesus, would you use my house? I mean, Paul hears what's happening and he gets out of prison and the first thing he does is go to Lydia's home where there is a gathering taking place. Listen to this. The letter back to Philippi, back to the church that Lydia has started Philippians 4, 15, and 16, this is Paul's writing. He says this, Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of our acquaintances with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. This happened because Lydia made it happen. Lydia, who saw her resources and her wealth, not just for her own, but began to leverage it for good. And we see, I don't know how how much longer later, Paul is writing back saying, thank you for continuing to help me. Thank you for continuing to invest in what God is doing. When no other churches were doing it, Lydia your church, you were doing it. And so we, we see this woman, Lydia, who often many people will overlook or some people will want to say that women don't or shouldn't be in certain places of ministry. We see here the movement of God begin in Europe through Lydia's life and through her coming to know Jesus I'm not going to assume that Lydia didn't stop dealing purple cloth. I think she probably did. I think she kept doing it. I think she continued her business and continued to work harder and harder at it. I'm not going to even assume that she sold her home in one place or another. What I'm going to believe is that she's just leveraging it now for something good. That she's doing something for the gospel of Jesus. This is her motivation She's always known what she was doing, but not always why. Uh, William Barclay, who uh, writes commentaries, he says this, there's two great days in a person's life, the day we are born and the day we discover why. Two great days. The day you're born and then the day you discover why. I think Lydia on this day discovered the reason why she was born. I have this really quick video I want you to watch. Uh, I hope this is encouraging to you as you know what you do. 
If I asked you what you do, it's easy for you to tell me what you do, but do you know why? Watch this video. Lydia had spent her life knowing what she was doing, but in this one encounter with Paul at the river, her heart was open to the gospel of Jesus, and then she knew why she was doing it. So you may be a nurse, you might be a social worker, you might be a teacher, you might be someone who works with their hands, blue collar, you might run a business, you might lead people. I don't know what you do, but do you know why? Do you know your purpose behind why you're doing it? And if you're a follower of Jesus, the invitation is that you would leverage it, that you would leverage it for good, Uh, that it's not simply a, a job or to make money, but it's an opportunity. Lydia seized the opportunity to do good, and not only did she make a difference in her household or in Philippi or in Europe, but the movement begins to spread, and we're talking about her thousands of years later because of her willingness to open her heart in lots of ways. My hope for you today is that you'll open your heart to God. You'll open it to the grace and the love of who God is, but you might also open it to say, what's my purpose? Two great days, the day you were born and the day you figure out why. Would you stand as we pray with one another? Father, I'm so thankful that your grace goes before us. I'm just thankful in my own life when I didn't grow up in church, I knew nothing about you and life was difficult, that your grace was with me. Through, through Kay Wilson and Cindy Lamb and them picking me up and taking me to church as a junior hire, I came to know who you were. And I'm thankful that your grace has gone before me ever since then. And it still is. I'm thankful that the grace that I experience is the same grace that's available for every person in this room and in North County and St. Louis and in our world. That there is nothing, no division that separates anyone from your love or grace. I pray, Lord, for my friends here today who maybe would have always seen themselves as religious or worshipers of you, but maybe have not fully believed for themselves that your grace is for them. I pray that today their hearts would be open to that message. And then, God, for all of us, as we figure out our purpose and why we do what we do, would you help us to leverage what you have given us? That's what Lydia has done, Lord, and may we learn from her that she had always been doing it but didn't know why. And then she found her purpose and she made a massive impact. And I pray, Lord, that you would use us to impact our homes, to impact North County and St. Louis and impact even the world. God, would you use us? I pray in Jesus' name.